Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. I get the honor to preach at you today, so I hope you came ready to listen because I think that this series is an incredible one to be in. Uh, And if you're new with us here, then I want to help kind of recap where we're at and what this is all about. You're like, what is that video? Well, I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, And if you you happen to miss last week, I want to invite you to go to our YouTube channel and listen to the first message in this series because I think it helps lay a great foundation of what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Uh, We're going to be talking about all about the kingdom of God. Uh, We realize that Jesus spoke about the kingdom more than he preached about anything else. When he sat with his disciples, when he talked to the crowd, when he taught, he spoke of the kingdom often. In fact, the New Testament references the kingdom 126 times. So come on, as a church, as believers, as disciples, how could we not talk about the kingdom? So if you're curious, what is the kingdom all about? Uh, It can be summarized into these two categories. First, it can be summarized that the kingdom is the person of Jesus. When Jesus spoke of the kingdom of heaven, he actually was referring to himself. So you can replace that word kingdom and you can say, what is the kingdom like? The kingdom's like Jesus. It's who he was. And the second category is the kingdom is the rule of Jesus. This is the reference to the rule, the reign of Jesus. And this doesn't just speak of eternity's future when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It refers to any place where Jesus is enthroned here and now. So if you didn't know it, but here at the Father's house, we have one ruler. We have one king. His name is Jesus. This is his dominion. We're not here, as Tim said last week, to build our brand and make the Father's house great in this city or in the world. No, we are here proclaiming the name of Jesus. This is his kingdom, his rule, his reign. And all throughout this series we're gonna have an opportunity to see how this kingdom is so upside down. As that video suggests, and if you were here last week, Tim suggested as he hung upside down, and if you have no other reason to go on YouTube and watch that video, do it so you can see how red his face turned as he hung upside down. See, the kingdom of heaven is inverted. It's an upside down kingdom. And we're not just going to explore and learn about this upside down kingdom, but we're going to have an opportunity every single week to ask ourselves this question. Am I a kingdom person? Am I a kingdom person? Now today, uh, as I had thought about, okay, I'm doing week two, Tim did a great job opening up this series, and sometimes it can feel like pressure, especially when... Jesus references the kingdom so often there's a lot to choose from. I mean, 126 things I could have looked at to say, okay, what do you want to say to your people? So I reminded myself that the kingdom is Jesus. So if the kingdom of heaven is like Jesus, then I began asking myself as I studied and as I prayed, what was Jesus like? How did he teach? What was his behavior? What was his personality? What did he portray to others? And as I thought about that, uh, a scripture, Matthew 20, popped into my head. And it says this. It was a statement that Jesus made. He said, I didn't come to be served, 
but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This was a bold statement that Jesus made. He said, I didn't come here to just get from you. I didn't come here to be served. I came to serve. So what is the kingdom like? What does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like service. And this was a very upside down concept for both the disciples and the Jewish people of Jesus' time to understand. Because they were waiting for the Messiah to come. They knew that the Messiah was going to come and bring his kingdom. But then Jesus shows up on the scene and it looks backwards. It looks upside down. But if you read and follow the teachings of Jesus, you will see in everything he says and does that the kingdom is all about service. In fact, if we look at this context, we gain a little bit more understanding in Matthew 20. Jesus says this. Here's the full picture. He says to his disciples, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be different? You got to say, gonna. No, you didn't say it. Say it again. Say, it's going to be different. <laughs> Jesus goes on to say, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was suggesting a completely upside down way of living to these disciples. And I believe that today as we sit here in our context, in our world, there's a whole lot of people when I scope the land and scope the behavior of humanity, a whole lot of people that are trying to build their own kingdom. They're trying to get what they can. They're trying to build their own brand and domain. They're trying to be served. Who can serve me? How can I be on top? So when we look around and we observe this, I think as believers, we have to remind ourselves what Jesus said. Because he said, hey, 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 remember, in my kingdom, I know you're in this world, but in the kingdom of God, things are going to be different. They're going to be upside down. Because I didn't come here to be served. I didn't come to get. I didn't come to gain, even though I'm the only one deserving of glory. But I came here to serve. I'm here to serve. And if you're the note-taking type today, and you want a title of this message, you can write this one down. Here to serve. Here to serve. We pray with me today as we get into this. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that it does, in fact, have the power to change our lives. So right now, we don't just show up to church because that's what we do, but we show up and we open up our hearts to the message and the things that you want to say to us. Words that we maybe have read before in your word, I pray they would come alive in a greater way and we would receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. Here to serve, here to serve. This is a phrase that uh, Tim and I repeat pretty often. And I gotta give honor where honor is due. Tim coined the phrase, I really liked it, so I stole it. It's something that he and I often repeat. It's how I sign most of my emails. It's the response that I give when someone thanks me for something. 
It is this phrase that I repeat. Now, this is something that I even say under my breath on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. when our Vibe team shows up to set up church. It's something that I say under my breath or in my head when uh, I am helping put up that welcome home sign in the lobby. If you didn't know, there was a really creepy mosaic behind it. That's why we put that up. And this thing is kind of accordion style and it fans out and we clip all the edges. And then there's one person whom will be tribute. And when I'm that person, you hold the sign at an angle while a few other Vibe team members crawl underneath and reach up and clip together about 50 little plastic clips. And I just say, I'm here to serve, Lord. I need another cup of coffee. Uh, This word serve, this word service, uh, means something interesting in the Greek. Uh, And I'm going to say the Greek word, and then you're going to correct me later. It's cool. Send me an email. This Greek word is diakonos. Do you want to say it? Diakonos. Doesn't it look like that? Let's go with that. It means one who executes the command of another, especially of a master, a servant, attendant, minister. This word carries with it the idea that service is the outflow of my life as a result of being submitted to someone who's greater than myself. Here to serve is something that I repeat often because I want to remind myself of the greatest purpose of my life, why I'm here. That I am not here for myself, but I am in fact here to serve. Here to serve is something that I remind myself of because I am not here to have a parking spot with my name on it. I am not here to have you address me as Pastor Robin and make me feel so important. I'm not here to have you serve my agenda and my plan but I am flipped upside down and my greatest purpose is to serve. Not to get, not to gain, but I, in fact, am here to serve. In fact, there is no parking spot with our name on it. We don't own this building. Actually, I do have a parking spot. It's over in the avenues because that's where our team parks so that we can make more room in the parking lot. Can I get an amen for all our team? Now this word servant or service, it occurs 1,100 times in various forms in the Bible. And it was something that Jesus repeated over and over again. But Jesus wasn't just talking to ministers. He wasn't just talking to pastors. Nah, he was talking to all of his disciples when he said this. And I think that one of the most profound and dramatic displays of this selfless service that we see in the the life of Jesus is found in John chapter 13. It's here that Jesus illustrates to the disciples what this upside down kingdom living looks all alike. So you can turn there with me if you're up for it. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 13, but I want to set up this scene for us. See, this was the time for the Passover meal. This was an important meal for Jesus to have with his disciples, and they gathered together to have it. And we find out in scripture in the timeline that less than 24 hours later after this meal that he shared with the disciples, he would go to the cross for them. 
He'd go to the cross for us. So this meal is vital. It's important for him to sit down with them one last time and to be able to say some things to them that are important, to show some things. But this wasn't just like a sweet little dinner party. And you know I like food. And sometimes I sit down to eat that food and it's just about the food. Like we don't even need to talk. That part's not important. But for Jesus, it wasn't just about the partaking of food. It was the time spent and the conversations that he would have. Jesus spent this time with his disciples and he showed them, hey, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to create a new covenant by pouring out my blood for you. And then he teaches them on communion and they break bread together and they drink the cup. And he says, uh, he commands them and says, I want you to do this in the future. And as often as you do it, I want you to remember me. Beyond teaching though, some other things happened in this exchange of this meal. Uh, Peter shows up to, you know, not just eat, but he wants to proclaim how amazing he is and how he's there for Jesus. He's like, I'm your boy, Jesus. I'll do anything for you. I would, I'll go to prison for you. I would die for you. And then Jesus responds to Peter and he says, hey, Peter, that's actually not what's going to happen. You're actually tomorrow going to deny that you even know me. Not just one time, but three times. And then Peter's like, I'm sorry, what? You know, this is a very eventful, somewhat chaotic meal that's happening and taking place. And then something, you know, really small and minor happens. Uh, Satan enters Judas and he decides to betray, betray Jesus. No big deal. Like typical dinner party, right? And as if that wasn't enough events that would happen, all of a sudden, a fight breaks out between the disciples. Uh, the Apostle Luke, he tells us about this, this fight that breaks out between them and they start arguing. And I don't know, maybe this does sound like a dinner party you've had, maybe when you invite all your family over. You're like, I got this. This is how we do dinner parties all the time. So the disciples begin arguing with one another and they're arguing over who is the greatest among them. They're going back and forth. And I can just imagine this scene. You know, Peter, he's a bit of a loud mouth. He's always ready to say something. I bet Peter opened up his mouth and he was like, you know, I'm the greatest. You know why? When Jesus, he sent us out to do ministry, I had a line of people behind me who were coming to ask for healing. And I healed, I healed way more people than any of you. But then, you know, Matthew, he chimes in and he's like, actually, according to my calculations, uh, me and John both healed way more people. And they're just like going back and forth and back and forth. And then Jesus, what he does, what he does, he probably sat there calmly. And then he interjects. And Luke tells us what Jesus interjected with. He said this, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. This seems like such a good mic drop sort of statement from Jesus. Like, peace out, all right, I'm going to the cross, see you guys later. But that's not what happens. Jesus doesn't just stop at that statement, but he does what Tim, the pastor of props around here, does almost every single week, and he provides a sermon illustration. So we'll pick it up in John 13, 4. It says this, so Jesus got up from the table, he took off his robe, 
He wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, everything about this scenario seems a bit counterintuitive. None of it really makes sense. Like, they were eating a meal, and then all of a sudden Jesus is washing some feet. But it's even more confusing in our current 21st context. So let me explain a little bit why Jesus washing feet was such a big deal. Now, in the first century, uh, it was common practice for you to wash your feet when you entered someone's home, especially for a meal. And just like, you know, you might come to my house and I've got that little sign that says, please remove your shoes. And you, you know, it's a custom, take off your shoes and then come in. Now, this was way more than a custom. This was a very practical thing in their day. And the reason being that in the first century, uh, they walked a whole lot. And let me tell you a little bit about our Lord and Savior's shoe attire and the, the shoes that the disciples wore. They weren't no sneakers. They weren't no boots that would cover their feet. Instead, they wore sandals. They had leather soles and they had strapped leather that went up around their ankle. I actually bought a pair of these in the early 2000s at Forever 21, but they didn't last as long. They're probably not as good quality. I digress. So they wore these sandals, and the mode of transportation of the time was to walk. So they walked everywhere. It wasn't uncommon for them to walk up to 20 miles a day, just going from here to there and doing the things that they needed to do. But they didn't just walk they walked on dirt roads. There were many unpaved roads that they found themselves on. And you know that if you're walking in the dirt, your feet are going to get dirty. And if it's raining, they're going to get muddy. And when you're wearing sandals, if you've ever done that, you're like, yeah, why am I even wearing shoes? Like, there's mud in between my toes. But wait, there's more. Because the disciples and Jesus and the people of this time, when they would walk, they didn't just walk on roads where people were walking, but they shared these roads with animals. So you've got the horses and the donkeys and the camels that they used as pack animals. I don't know if you know anything about animals, but they're not so polite. Like, they don't say to their owner at mile five, like, hey, um, we should probably take a little pit stop here, get off this trail, I've gotta use the restroom. No, they're animals, they just go to the bathroom. So I just want you to imagine for a moment that as they're walking, they're not just walking through dirt, they're walking through some other stuff that the animals left. Again, foot washing was very necessary during this time. And it was custom when you would come into somebody's house that you would wash your feet. And here's the thing, you want to wash your feet because the table was different than our tables today. If you came over to my house and you walked in and you had dirt or other stuff on your feet, I'd be a little bit upset and like, okay, now I have to mop. But at least when you sat down at my dining room table, your feet were concealed. I didn't have to see how gross they were. But during Jesus' day, 
they sat at low tables. They had those bohemian vibes. They sat on these low coffee tables and cushions, and they had their feet kicked out to the side. Just imagine with me for a moment if you were sitting next to someone else and their feet kind of grazed your side, and they had some stuff on it. That's not cool. Again, foot washing was extremely necessary during their day. And was the custom that when you would walk into someone's house, that there would be a basin of water and a towel for you to wash your feet. And most of the time, they would have servants who would be there waiting for you when you walk in. And they would be ready to help you remove your sandals and wash your feet. This wasn't just the job of a servant. This was the job of the lowest servant of the household. Now, if you couldn't afford servants, then you at least would have a water basin and a towel for your guests to use. So with all of this information, which is a lot about feet and washing and customs, now with all of this information, we have to ask ourselves this question. So if the disciples knew the custom and pra probably practiced it often, why didn't they wash their feet? Why did they come to the dinner party with dingy, nasty feet? They were used to the customs of the time. And we understand if we read through the four gospels that the disciples actually got to the house early. Jesus had said to them, hey, I want you to go ahead of me and I want you to prepare the meal for us. So they had ample time to grab the water basin, to pour water in it, to grab a towel and get everything prepared. They could have at the door, been really polite and washed their own feet, make sure that they were presentable for this dinner, this last dinner they were about to have with their savior. But instead they neglected it. And they very easily could have washed their feet and then one of the disciples, as they knew Jesus was coming in, they could have gone over and said, oh, let me put some fresh water in here for you, Jesus. Actually, let me help you remove your sandals and wash your feet so that you can come in the proper way to dine with us. But not a single disciple washed their feet and not a single disciple offered to prepare things and help Jesus wash his feet. Why didn't they wash their feet? Well, now that we know more about the disciples and the state of their heart, what were they doing at the table? They were arguing about who was the greatest among them. When you're concerned with being the greatest, the last thing that you want to do is a job of the least. When you're so concerned with, no, I've, I've got to be at the top of this made-up hierarchy that me and my boys have figured out, I can't go and offer to wash Jesus' feet because if I'm found doing that, if I'm found in this knelt position, then I'm showing to my boys that I am the lowest ranking among our group. So not a single disciple washed their feet to avoid this moment, this exchange. They were more concerned with being the greatest. So instead... Since the disciples were unwilling to, Jesus got up from the table. Now, this would have been a great moment for Jesus to simply point to the bowl and the towel and say, hey, you guys neglected to do something really important. Let me give you a little object lesson. 
But Jesus knew that actions speak far louder than words. And this became a parable in action. So Jesus got up from the table, he removed his robe, and then he took the towel and it says that he wrapped it around his waist. And he went over and he knelt down in front of the first disciple. And he began washing their feet. Washing that disciple's feet, getting all of the dust and the grime and the dirt and transferring it on himself, on the cloth that he wore. And then he went to the next disciple and he washed off all the muck on him and he put it upon himself. And then he went to the next disciple and all the things that he had walked through that day, he took it and he transferred it on himself. Jesus was doing far more than washing feet here. He was taking all of it and putting it on himself. Something that he would do hours later, as was prophesied in Isaiah 53, that he would take all of the filth of humanity upon himself, washing us, causing us the ability to be cleansed and transferring it to himself saying I would take all the filth, all the sin of humanity, and I would transfer it to me, a suffering savior. Although our sins are like scarlet, he washes us white as snow. This was far more than an opportunity for the disciples to have clean feet at a dinner party, to be more acceptable. No, Jesus was saying, this is what I'm doing for you and what I'm doing for every future disciple. And this is worth celebrating. And aren't you grateful that Jesus didn't say to us, hey, you better clean yourself up. You better wash yourself off. You better make yourself presentable so that you can come up to me. No, instead he came down to us. He met us in our pit. He met us in our merry clay. He met us in the filth of our lives. And he said, I'll meet you there and I will offer to take it all for you. Something you don't deserve, but you so desperately need. That's the Jesus that we serve. But this, this moment with the disciples and what Jesus did for us on the cross, with it came a catch. Don't you love when there's a catch? This isn't some fine print that like, oh, and by the way, Jesus was very clear with the disciples and with us. He said, I've done this for you. Now, what does he say in verse 15? I've given you this example to follow. Now do as I've done to you. Do as I've done to you. I washed your feet. Now I want you to go and wash others' feet. Jesus said to these arguing self-centered disciples, hey, 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 I want you to take what your focus is and I want you to flip it. You're after being the greatest and saying, who can serve me? Let everybody else serve me. I want you to lay that down and I want you to serve one another. If you wanna be great, I want you to be the least. And he gives us this invitation and says, now go and wash others' feet. Now, since Jesus wasn't just talking to those disciples, but he was talking to these disciples today, us today, 
then we have to ask ourselves this question. Whose feet am I washing? And as we said, we'd ask throughout this whole series, does the way that I'm serving people make me look like a kingdom person? Am I represented as a kingdom person by whose feet I'm washing? So ask us today, who are you serving? Who are you kneeling before? Who are you willing to get down in the dust and the dirt with and whose feet you're washing? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves and to bring it a little closer to home, I wanna ask you, are you willing to wash feet? You, are you washing your spouse's feet actually? And not did you do a foot washing ceremony at your wedding? That's cute and that's great, but are you washing each other's feet? Or are you waiting for your spouse to wash your feet so that you can then reciprocate? Are you sitting with them in the challenge of life and the things that they're walking through saying, you don't have to walk through that alone. Come here, let me wash your feet. Are you washing your kids' feet? Not really, like, yeah, I got them clean in the bathtub, it was great. Are you serving your kids? Or are you like me and you've said it more times than you care to admit when your kids leave their dirty dishes in the sink, they're over there. And I repeat again, I am not your servant. Come on, I want my kids to be responsible and you probably do too. But, so let me ask it this way. Is the way that you're serving your kids an example of the way that you wanna raise them to be kingdom people and serve others? Maybe serving your family is easy for you. You're like, I love my family. I love their little feet. They're just so precious to me. Maybe serving your family is easy, so let me ask you this. What about the people with really gross feet? What about those people who always walk around barefoot? They're saying they're doing something called grounding, but you're like, that's just gross. These are the people that are walking through life and they have so much callous of life built up. And these people are far easier to criticize than care for. What about those people? This is the woman who is still walking through the difficulty and she's got a crazy past. This is a man who's still addicted. It's the ashamed, it's the broken, it's the judged, it's the disreputable, it's the isolated. Are you willing to serve them? Are you willing to sit with them? Or look around. Are you willing to serve one another? Now that Jesus told the disciples, I want you to wash each other's feet. And Jesus knew how the disciples felt about each other. <laughs> they had a hard time getting along. Listen, I know we're Christians and this is the church, but I know y'all don't get along because you tell me about it. Pastor Robin, you will not believe what so. Listen, Jesus knew that we will not have an easy time getting along with everyone. He told the disciples that, wash your, each other's feet. And he tells us the same. He knows that some of us are grace growers for one another, yet he still says, serve one another. And I love what Romans 12, 10 says. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. 
I love this verse so much, and I love that it's a picture of what the church, the body of Christ, should look like. A bunch of people with towels tied around their waist saying, how can I serve you? How can I honor you? And it's like this turn, taking turns in honoring and serving, and it's not a hierarchy system in the body of Christ of, well, I'm up here and you're down. No, it's, how can I serve you? And it's this reciprocated back and forth. This is what the church looks like. In fact, I want to tell you a little bit more about what our church looks like. And as I do, I want to invite the band to come. You know, every single week we have people that show up to serve. They choose to take their day off or their time to serve around here. And more specifically, here's what it looks like. It looks like a 20-something who hasn't had kids yet who volunteers to serve in our kids' church so that they can calm down a crying baby of a single mom so that she can come in this room and do this. Actually, she does this. I'm so tired. Someone finally held my baby for me. It looks like a volunteer showing up early to church and putting on about 10 pots of coffee. I think that's where we're at every weekend. Going home smelling like coffee grounds. It looks like a volunteer who comes down here at the end of a service and stands and is ready to receive people and intercede with them about a difficult situation. Somebody that they've maybe never met and they don't know their name yet. And sometimes that even looks like leaving the room with that person's mascara and tears on their shoulder. It looks like leaving our Thursday pantry outreach smelling like rotten asparagus. It looks like buying cases of LaCroix and baking cookies and opening up your home to strangers, people you've never met, so they can come in and sit on their couch and they can hear that this Jesus really does love them and actually did die for them. Mm, Countless other ways that this looks. Countless things that you'll never see or hear about maybe. That is what serving one another looks like. I love this picture, but here's the thing. I think that there's more people You know, it's funny talking to people who come into our church and they're like, your church is great. You guys have it all together. I'm just so, it's, it's amazing. You probably don't need any help. Like I couldn't potentially like add to this. You guys have got it all covered. No, that's absolutely not the case. And we'll take your help. But here's the thing. More than that, in our church, there will always be a stack of towels. There will always be a place for more people to come in and serve with us and be a part. Why? Because this is the beauty of the body of Christ, the beauty of the church, all the parts working together saying, no, let me serve you. No, let me serve you. No, let me honor you. No, here you go. I'll hold your baby. Oh, thanks for the cup of coffee. This is what the church looks like. This is who we are. And if there isn't room, We'll make room, we'll add another pantry, we'll open another group, we'll make another place because this is who we are. But here's the deal, this service, this way we behave, this here to serve mentality is not just meant for this room and it's not just meant for this community. 
It's meant for your neighborhood. It's meant for your unsafe family. It's meant for your workplace. It's meant for those of you who have influence inside your company or inside this community. This here to serve mentality should show up in every single one of those spaces. Why? Because kingdom people act like kingdom people wherever it is that they go. Now, this is what this upside down kingdom that Jesus talked about looks like. Maybe it doesn't look glamorous, but this is what it's all about. And I love when I think about this story and this amazing picture of what Jesus did for his disciples that we now get to read about. You know, I'm not sure the disciples understood the significance of what was happening in the moment. But you know, after they saw that Jesus went to the cross for them and then rose for them, I'm sure that this whole scene played over like a movie in their head time and time again, where they sat with their foot extended so that their savior could wash all the muck off of them. And I'm sure that it caused the disciples to go into the rest of their days, picking up towels and grabbing feet and following in the footsteps of their Lord with the echo of his phrase in the back of their mind, I didn't come here to be served, but I came here to serve. Here to serve, I'm here to serve. As they went to foot after foot, I'm here to serve. I love this picture. And I pray that today that this wouldn't be something that we would simply talk about, but we would be about. The book of James says that we would, the prayer, the hope is that we wouldn't just simply hear the word, but we would be doers of the word. So let's go, let's go out, not just into this space, into the different areas that, you know, we occupy in this rented space on a Sunday, but let's be those kingdom people that go out and do this everywhere we show up. Let us grab a towel and say, I'm here to serve, shall we? Amen. Will you pray with me today as we close? There's two different responses to today's message. Uh, those of us who maybe need to pick up a towel and your response to this message is simple. As Tim preached last week, repent, simply turn from a life that looks like serving myself and you just grab a towel and say, all right, I'm here to serve. That's some of our responses. But next for the, the, the other group of people, some of you that are here today, first, I believe the Holy Spirit drew you here. I don't think you just came to an event and a space to show up. I think God drew you here. And for some of you today, your response is that you simply need to let Jesus wash you today. You've got some dirt and some sediment and some things on you that you've been walking around with that you've been carrying and you've been trying to wash yourself. But as Jesus said to Peter, as he protested to have Jesus wash his feet, Jesus responded to him and said, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Today, some of you need to accept the towel that Jesus is offering and you need to let him wash you. So simple, he just wants to wash you white as snow. There's a moment, Romans 10, nine says, it's really simple, this space of exchange where you allow Jesus to wash you. It's first just believing in your heart that he is Lord and that 
he was raised from the dead and you simply respond with, okay, I believe you are who you say you are and I, I wanna give you all my sin. I wanna give you my past. I wanna give you all this stuff. I don't wanna walk it in anymore. And it's a simple, beautiful exchange. So if you're here today and that's you and you need Jesus to wash you, would you be so bold as to just look up at me or lift your hand? Cause I wanna pray with you today. I wanna know who I'm praying with across this room. Amen. All right, let's pray this out today. You can simply just say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to hand you my life of sin and my past. I choose to hand you all of the dirt and the muck and the things that I've been walking through and I hand it over to you and I thank you that you wanna take it. I, I, I turn from all of those things and I choose you today. And I pray that as I hand you this, that you would wash me. And right now I receive that washing. Wash me white as snow. And right now I choose to not just be washed, but to become your disciple and walk with you into this life of faith, to trust you with all that I have. I put one foot in front of the other. I know I, I won't figure everything out at once, but I choose today to be washed and to follow you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come on, amen. Can we celebrate with those? Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.